don't have your Bibles open, you can open there. And then we're just going to have a little time of prayer too this morning after we read um, the section of Psalm 119. But I thought when Perry was reading from Acts chapter 26, I thought it was pretty cool. Later on in the chapter, Paul's speaking of Jesus in front of King Agrippa. And then he tells this to King Agrippa. Do you believe the prophets? I know you do. That's what Paul says to King Agrippa. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Short or long, Paul says, I'm praying that you, King Agrippa, is going to hear it and believe, and I hope everybody who's listening to me today believes. That's what Paul said. And I think that was fitting today. And I'm thinking of it at my seat before I get up here. I only have a short time every Sunday. But I hope whoever listens to it takes it to heart and it grips them and makes them think in the week. Um, That's what I hope and pray every single Sunday that people listen to God's Word. I hope I listen to God's Word. So let's listen to it today. Um, Psalm 119, verses 73 to 80, and then we'll have a short time of prayer And then we'll dive into the text today. This is the 10th section in Psalm 119. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. For I have put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. Let's pray before we get into this text today. God, you are in heaven. You're holy. We come to you before we dive into your word and learn from it. Some of us with heavy hearts, we just learned of and heard the passing of Carolyn Harrell. So I pray for that family. May you comfort them. May you give them the assurance that Carolyn's with you right now. Give them peace and rest. Help us to come alongside of those in the family to give them comfort and words of encouragement and letting them know that we're there for them. Be with those who are sick. Give them a healing touch in their bodies, even right now. Thank you for those who are here and online and maybe listening in a different day than Sunday. Whoever
yeah, I just want you to give each person comfort and rest. Because I know you're with us. God, help us to lean on your word, follow the Spirit's leading, and help us to understand how to live out your word so that others will glorify you in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a kid, did you ever play, or you still do, did you ever play the game Mother May I? Or some people call it Father May I or Captain May I. I looked it up, okay? I always played Mother May I. Who else has played that game or still plays that game? Okay? Now, that is a game of asking permission, right? Okay? I used to play it. It was a lot of fun. It teaches kids or adults manners and self-restraint. Okay? It's manners because you're asking, may I do this? Right? That's a permission statement. But it's also self-restraint because what could the mother, father, or captain, whatever way you're playing, what can they say? No. Um, I looked it up and I think I played it wrong. Somebody taught me the wrong way. Because when I looked it up, it was supposed, the mother or the father or the captain says, you may take two steps. And then the response should be, mother may I or father. I always played like I'm the participant. I always said, may I take these steps? And the leader said yes or no. I played it wrong, I guess. But it's the same concept. It's a may I. That's a permission. So, May I question mark. Without those words, the one participating in the game cannot receive a yes or no without the main word, which is what? May. May I. And the one receiving the yes or no must follow the instructions. So if I got a no and I took five steps and the person said no, what was I going to do? What did I have to do? I had to go back to the beginning wherever that was. But without the yes or no, or without the may, you can't receive the yes or no. Now, I don't know about you, but when the person said no, what did I sometimes do? What? I can't do that? Did you ever get mad, frustrated, when, you, when they said no to you? I did, okay. I can't spin five times to get to you? And they're like, no. Oh, okay. But I remember playing that. I remember getting frustrated. I remember getting rejoicing when I got to the end and I won, okay? But this morning, in this part of Psalm 119, it's the Yod section. That's the Hebrew word. But there's May times eight. There's eight times that it says May in this section. The definition of the word may, I know some of you know that I love definitions. So from the Oxford Dictionary, there's two definitions for the word may. The first one is used to ask for or to give permission. That's what we just talked about. Number two definition of may is expressing a wish or hope. 
in the children's game that we just talked about, the participant is asking permission to take steps, whatever those steps may be. Giant steps, little steps, spinning steps, skipping steps, whatever you want. But they also, what? Expressed a wish or hope to get to take those steps, right? They're thinking to themselves, maybe not out loud, but they're saying, I hope I get to take those steps that, I just, that was just given to me. I hope I do. So they're saying, may I? The psalmist here expresses a wish or hope while in affliction. Okay, did you catch it while we were reading it? In verse 75, at the end, the psalmist writes, In faithfulness you have afflicted me. He says that. Now, who's he talking to? This got me. It it got me hard. Who's he talking to? God. And he says, In faithfulness, God, you have afflicted me. This word afflicted is is the idea of God disciplining you or God disciplining the psalmist. So, but... In faithfulness. Is God faithful? Yes. He doesn't do something that's not out of His character. He's faithful. And the psalmist says, God, you are faithful when you have afflicted me. Okay? And our question as we study Psalm 119, what's our question? What do we do with this beautiful book? God's Word. The Holy Bible. What do we do with it? And here's your takeaway focused Today, if I can get to... There we go. May our lives match up with our understanding of who God is and what God's Word teaches us. And I specifically use the word may at the beginning. Because that's what the section is heavily on, may. Remember that expressing a wish or hope. What's our hope in this takeaway? That each of our lives are matching up to our understanding of who God is and what God's Word teaches. That's my wish and hope for my own life. I hope it is with you. That's kind of my wish that when I'm up here speaking, I wish that for you. I hope that for each one of us that are here listening, that are online listening, that our lives match up with who God is and our understanding of who God is. And I think the psalmist, if you don't agree with me, then listen back to part 1 through 9, and so forth. Does the psalmist here understand who God is in Psalm 119? Does he know who God is and understand who God is and says, God, I trust you, and I trust your word, laws, decrees, precepts, whatever synonym that he uses. He trusts God and he trusts God's word. So we're going to learn from the psalmist here. And I think, go to verse 77. I think this is the key phrase in this section. It's in verse 77 and it's right in the center of 77. And it's almost right in the center of the whole section. I thought that was pretty cool. Here's the phrase, if you're in verse 77. I think... This is the key phrase, that I may live, that I may live. And the whole section to me revolves around that, that I may live. And I think the Apostle Paul's plea to the followers of Jesus at Rome should help us. Listen to what Paul says. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed or don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We are submitting to God and to understand who God is and follow his word. And the apostle Paul urges his listeners to live your life as a living sacrifice to God. Because of what though? God's mercy. And this psalmist here, which I believe is Jeremiah now, he says that I may live. I want to live. So let's dive into this. Verse 73, all the way at the beginning. And remember our takeaway Have that in your mind where it says, may our lives match up with our understanding of who God is and what God's Word teaches us. So have that in mind as you're going through this section. Verse 73, it starts off like this. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Wow. Your hands made me and formed me. God's hands formed this psalmist. Listen to another psalmist. It's a different writer. Psalm 139, David writes this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Who has formed us? God. He's fashioned us in a certain way. We're not all the same. Right? I can look around here and I don't think I can point out an identical as me out in, that I see. Okay? I can't point to you and say, hey, we are identical in all ways of our lives. And God has fashioned us each perfectly, fearfully and wonderfully made. I think we can all say that. Just like the psalmist David in Psalm 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you ever say that to yourself? I'll have to admit, I don't say it often. I don't say, God, you fashioned me like this. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then what does it say? Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Doesn't that go back to our, our focus today? May our lives match up with who God is our understanding of God, and what God's Word teaches. The psalmist is making it clear. You formed me, God, not anybody else. And then he says, give me understanding to learn your decrees or commands. Verse 74 and 79, they have similar things. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. Verse 79, may those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. And then I have a couple more verses. New Testament, Paul writes to... Technical difficulties again. Hey, Sunday school 9.30, everybody. Did you, get, did you put your offering in the plate? And we're going back. I hope. But First Timothy, I was going to read it off the screen today, but 
First Timothy is coming. Don't leave yet. Do you love technology? It's on the screen now. Okay. Last time I said it was too small, but it's not too small today. You know what? I just read an article on artificial intelligence. And one of the, the writers said, artificial intelligence does not know what they're doing. They don't have an understanding of what they do. Okay? And I think that's true. But artificial intelligence, AI, the, what is going on right now? First Timothy, anyways, off track. Paul writes to Timothy this. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, he's been teaching about what to teach others, okay? And Paul encourages Timothy. If you point these things out, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith and of good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So Paul is encouraging Timothy... If you keep teaching these things and point these things out, you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Do you know what you're doing now, training yourself to be godly, is not just beneficial for right now, but it's beneficial for what? Eternity. The life to come. I think Carolyn Harrell is experiencing the life to come right now. Is that, you believe that? This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God. Where's the hope? In the living God. Not some dead God. Who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Don't neglect your gift, which is given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. I love verse 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, what does it say? You will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy is saying, keep doing it. Paul tells Timothy, don't give up. Don't let people say you're too young. Keep teaching them. Keep teaching them. Because what's going to happen? You're going to save yourself and your hearers. That's such encouragement to me. But this is where it also encourages me because look what it says again in the psalm. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. And then verse 79, may those who fear you turn to me. The psalmist is saying, if those people fear you, let them be encouraged by me. Let them rejoice when they see me. Let them come to me. Walter Zorn in his commentary, which when I read this, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we started life groups. Look at this. The psalmist needs relief from his affliction so that he may concentrate on God's word and teach it to others. The psalmist wishes to gather a fellowship of fearers of God in order to teach them as well as to keep his own heart blameless. And in parentheses, look what Walter Zorn says. 
an accountability group? Question mark. And when I studied this this week, I'm like, life groups, that's what that is. You get together with a small group, whether it's Thursday morning, Thursday evening, Friday evening, or Sunday evening. You get into one of those groups, what are you going to do for each other? You're going to keep everybody accountable. You're going to grow together. You're going to pray for each other. And when you get to that group, what's going to happen? May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. May those who fear you turn to me. Do you ever go to a group, or lead a group? I'll say lead a group, okay. Do you ever lead a group and somebody walks in and you just get so excited that they're there? Do you ever do that? Thursday mornings, that's what it is for me. Every time I, when I started the Thursday morning, I didn't know who was going to show up. And J.D. showed up the first time. And every time that he showed, he's always early, okay? He's always early. It seems to be. But you know what happens when I'm at my, now we're meeting at the Wilsons. But when I was at my desk and I saw that, that Pacifica van pull in, what did I do? I got excited. You know why? Because... I fear God, and I know J.D. fears God, and I rejoice when I see Him. Does that make sense? I think that's what life group does. And I like what Walter Zorn said. I don't know why he put it in parentheses. He just sort of said, man, this is an accountability group. But when we see people who fear God, and if you fear God, do people rejoice when they see you or do they say, I don't want to be around that person? That's something challenging for us. So I'm glad we started life groups. That's why I was excited about this section. And it's also humbling because what happens in our own lives when we're reading this? May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. How do we need to live? Just like our takeaway today, right? May our lives match up with our understanding of God and what God's Word teaches So I hope that sheds some light. And there's two of your mays, okay? May. That's a wish. That's a hope. All right, verse 75 to 77. He says, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous. And then that was our beginning, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Willem Van Gemmeren in his commentary says, God's purpose for affliction is to refine the relationship with His children. I, I believe that's... You know, what happens when God disciplines us? It refines us. It helps us grow. Do you like discipline? I don't. It's painful sometimes. But we need it. This is what First Peter says. Peter writes to, I think that was from last time. I am way behind. Okay, this is what I want. Hebrews chapter 12. I missed some verses, but that's okay. Hebrews 12, this is what he says, the writer. In your struggle against sin, do we all sin? 
You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. He disciplines those He loves. Does God love all people? I believe that. And when we're a child of God, we should expect discipline. (laughs) Affliction, as in the case of the Hebrew word. But this hit me too. Remember last week I mentioned Jeremiah could have been the author of Psalm 119. Look at what Lamentation says. For, one, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though He brings grief, He will show compassion. Do you love Lord's compassion? Do you love the Lord's compassion? I do. So great is His unfailing love, for He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Did you catch the psalmist in verse 76 and 77? May your unfailing love be my comfort. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. Wow. Are we calling out to God and asking for that hope, that wish, if you want to say that, and just have it. May your unfailing love be my comfort. In 77, that word let is another word for may, okay? May your compassion come to me that I may live. Do we actually call out to God and say those things? Because I know God's listening to us. God hears us when we call to Him. Charles Spurgeon said this, Our prayers are according to the mind of God when they are according to the Word of God. What did the psalmist say in 76? Verse 76, according to your promise to your servant. He's praying this, he's wishing this, hoping this according to the promises that you made to your servant. That's what the psalmist is crying out. I know you promised this God, so I'm going to pray it. And Charles Spurgeon says that. Our prayers are according to the mind of God when they are according to the word of God. Do you ever pray and God answers prayer? What do you do when God answers prayer? You say thank you, right? You praise God. But why did we pray in certain ways? According to God's will, right? We prayed Thursday for many things in our life group. There were surgeries going on, and people came out of those surgeries well. Did the prayer do anything? I think so. We didn't just pray for peace for the person going into the surgery. What else did we pray for? Hey God, give the doctors wisdom. We can pray according to God's Word because He's promised to be with His people. Because He's a loving God. And His compassions. Again, going back to Lamentations, what are they new every morning? His compassions are new every morning. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, what mercies am I going to get today? What compassion am I going to hear or feel today from God or experience from God? Verse 78 in Psalm 119. 
There's another may. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause. But I will meditate on your precepts. Meditate. I read in an article yesterday, Mindy Knowles said this, Meditating is pondering the word, repeating it to your soul, and applying it to your life. Remember last week I I mentioned the repeat, repeat, repeat? Do you ever just repeat stuff to yourself because it's in God's Word and you just want to soak it in? We need to do more of it. And Mindy Knowles says, meditating is pondering on the Word. That's thinking about it, absorbing it, repeating it to your soul. Just don't read it and then forget about it. And then applying it to your life. I asked this question to myself when I was studying. What do we meditate on? You ever think about that? What do you meditate on? And according to this psalmist, is it on the wrongs done to us or on God's precepts, His holy word? So he says, the psalmist says, may the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause. So people are doing him wrong with no cause. But what does he say? My favorite transition word, but I will meditate on your precepts. There's a lot of things going on in this psalmist's life. But he says, I'm going to meditate on your precepts, God, and that's going to be how I live. Remember the center thing? That I may live. He wants these wishes, these hopes. Verse 80, to close it out of the section May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. You see two more of the maze there. May we be committed to following God's decrees, His ways. Be encouraged by what Paul wrote to the Colossian believers. Here's what he wrote to them. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The psalmist, may I wholeheartedly follow your decrees, that I may not be put to shame. The takeaway again, what's our takeaway? May our lives match up with our understanding of who God is and what God's Word teaches us. That's why we're going through Psalm 119. It's all about God's laws, decrees, word, commands, precepts. We have to continue to learn about God's word and meditate on it. And I think the key phrase, that I may live. And we go back to that. And I love how St. Augustine, however you want to say Augustine, Augustine, I go back and forth. He said this in his book, The Confessions. For in truth, all good things are from you, O God. Everything I need for health and salvation flows from my God. I love that. Everything I need for health and salvation come from God. That's all we need. God's Word, the Holy Bible, I've said this many times, is what? from Hebrews chapter 4, is living and active. 
piercing our souls at times. It's life-changing, correct? If, you know, God's Word is life-changing. It has life-changing power. The Word, who's the Word? Jesus came to give life to the full. John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching and He says, I have come to give life to the full, abundant life. Look how Jesus, what He says. John chapter 10, 1 through 10. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The psalmist says right in the middle of this section that I may live. I want life. And Jesus says, I have come to give life, and life to the full, abundant life. I'm going to close with three things. First is from Lewis Foster in his commentary on John. He writes this, Those who have Jesus will not lack life. And then I'm going to read the paraphrased version of Psalms 119.73-80. This is how Eugene Peterson writes it. Paraphrased it like this. With your very own hands you formed me. Now breathe your wisdom over me so I can understand you. When they see me waiting, expecting your word, those who fear you will take heart and be glad. I can see now, God, that your decisions are right. Your testing has taught me what's true and right. Oh, love me and right now hold me tight, just the way you promised. Now comfort me so I can live, really live. Your revelation is the tune I dance to. Let the fast-talking tricksters be exposed as frauds. They tried to sell me a bill of goods, but I kept my mind fixed on your counsel. Let those who fear you turn to me for evidence of your wise guidance. And let me live whole and holy, soul and body, so I can always walk with my head held high. May our lives match up with our understanding of who God is and what God's Word teaches us. 
Remember John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus came to give life and life to the full. Those who accept Jesus, He forgives us through His blood on the cross. And then Jesus was taken down from the cross, put in a tomb, buried and rose again on that third day. And then He ascended into heaven. He's interceding for us right now at the right hand of God. And remember Peter's message. They said, Peter, what do we got to do? And those who accepted the message repented and were baptized. Forgiven of their sins. And received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the church took off. You read the book of Acts, there's followers after followers. And maybe even King Agrippa got saved. But today if you believe Jesus as, your, as Messiah, as the Son of God, and you've repented of your sins, and I think the next step is there's water right there. And Philip told the, or the eunuch told Philip, hey, there's water, what's stopping us? There's water right here. There's nothing magical in the water. I'm always going to say that. There's nothing magical in the water because in the water, God does something. I believe that. That's why I give an invitation every Sunday. And that's why Jesus said, I have come to give life to the full. I'm the gate of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. We can go on and on. But if you need to make that decision, it's open. So let's pray together. In the words of Wallace Friddy. O oh God, help us to be generous in our opinions of others, to be considerate of all we meet, to be patient with those with whom we work, to be faithful to every trust, to be courageous in the face of danger, to be humble in, our li- in all our living, to be prayerful every hour of the day, to be joyous in all life's experience, and to be dependent upon Thee for strength, in facing life's difficulties. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.